0: Good morning, everybody. It is a joy to be back here today. Um, Yeah. And it is a joy to be here with a church that has committed themselves to the health of their pastor. Now, last time I was here, I gave you a bunch of heart-rending statistics that I won't repeat. Don't worry. I only take you down that road once. But it's important to remember that the things you have done and the things that we're going to talk about today are going to take that sabbatical and we're going to move it forward. So that's what we want to talk about. On your seat, is that just me? Do I need to move this? No, okay. Don't don't move the thing. I'm not going to move the thing. On your seat, you'll find a 3x5 index card somewhere in there. Please take that out. Uh, This is the audience participation portion of the message. Uh, Do not worry. It does not involve whipped cream or anything weird or balloons, nothing like that. What I want you to do with that is I want you to complete this sentence. When pastor returns, I would like him to. Just take a minute. Write down a couple of things. What kind of things would you like him to do when he returns? What are you looking forward to in his return? I did this message once in our church, and I forgot to do it this time. I actually had the, the Jeopardy theme song. Uh, The ones of you who are chuckling know what that means. The rest of you are going, what? Yeah. I think it's really important. While you're right, I'm just going to fill space and chat here for a bit. Can I uh, have you pull up the slide of the last prayer point? Can you go back there easily, or is that a challenge? That one. Yes, thank you. We had dinner with barbers last night. spent a wonderful evening with them. ate way too many burgers. Uh, and this is what we talked about for the bulk of the evening. What does this look like going forward? And that's where we're going to go today. That's what we're going to talk about. So uh, I also want to commend you as a church for having such a food focus. Uh, I was a little bit concerned when I saw the the slide come by about the smoke-out. And for some reason, my brain went to a bunch of guys sitting around a table with cigars. I don't know why. (laughs) But then I I looked at the background of it, and there was meat. And I went, okay, that's good. Meat is good. All right. Take that card and tuck it away. We're going to come back to that later. All right? The first thing we need to do, if I can go back to my stuff. Thank you. My wife and I drove down here yesterday, and whenever we travel, there are some key things that we need to remember, and this is true wherever you're traveling. Oops. You need to look back to where you've been, where are you now, and where are you going? Now, in a world of Google Maps, we just punch it into our phone and our phone talks to us. And I've discovered, um, maybe it's an age thing, maybe it's a technology dependence thing, that I often forget how to go to places I normally go to because I'm used to the voice in my head and that's, that's an okay thing. It's <laughs> Voices guiding me where I go. So I've tried to stop doing that because I get dependent upon it. And I go back to maps. You guys remember maps? Yeah, okay, yeah. They're pieces of paper that had lines on them. They're really fun sometimes. Um, But we're going to lay out a map today of where we've been, where you are now, and where you're going as a church. And the whole purpose of this is so that you... And we'll talk about that. So where have we been? When I was here last, I focused on this passage for quite a bit. This is the words of our Lord, and I'll just read it. This is Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In our conversation with with Scott and Jane last night, I can tell you um, with some certainty, that's where they went. They went to that place and let God teach them and minister to them. And that was exactly what they needed. Another way of looking at this passage, is Eugene Peterson. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Pause. Scott was not there. But he was close. He was close. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. That's what we hope a sabbatical looks like. I also want to take you back to the themes of resilience. How do you make a resilient pastor? How do you make a pastor who's going to be in ministry for a long, long time? I'm I'm listening to a book right now entitled uh, 50 People Every Christian Should Know. And it's short little biographies of some of the saints of old the pastors in england and pastors in this country and pastors who led huge revivals and some of these guys were in ministry 50 60 years we have one pastor in our in our district right now who's been in the same church for 38 years that's amazing that's incredibly rare. But how do we keep them there? I go back to the book, Resilient Ministry. Here's the themes. Spiritual formation, that's the care and feeding of the soul. How well does he care for himself? Self-care, it's reasonable work hours. Rest, that's sleep, Sabbath, and sabbatical. Physical activity and healthy nutrition. What's he doing to take care of the body? Emotional and cultural intelligence. That's knowledge of self, family of origin, personality type, all of those pieces. And knowledge of the culture in which he functions and how those two interact with each other. Marriage and family. What is the role of family in the life of a pastor? How does he balance the tension between those two sometimes, the tension between ministry and the tension between family? How do you keep that in its proper place when he's called to fill both roles? And sometimes on the surface, it looks like they're fighting each other. And lastly, leadership and management. This is the ability to lead adaptive, constructive change and manage the order and consistency of the church. How does he do all those things well? And when a pastor's on sabbatical, we focus on those four. And that's where Scott has gone. In conversations with him last night, he has touched every one of those in some way. And the benefit of that is that increases his emotional and spiritual strength, and that flows into the last one. But, I need to say, that job's not done. We're going to talk about that. The authors of this book, in the process of writing this book, this was a multi-year project, um, they went on sabbatical. Oops, where did that quote go? Comes later, sorry. Um, Hold that, this is where we are. The next piece is the steps of a sabbatical. What are the phases? So this is still the looking back. First one is release and relinquish. This is getting out the door. This is the handoff. Scott did that several months back. Next is rest and recovery. This is establishing margin, managing pace in life. This is setting those things aside and going, okay, what would I... What would I like my spiritual life to look like if I had the time to care for myself the way I should? That's a big piece. Reflect and refocus. This is experiencing God and self in new and deeper ways. This is times in fellowship. This is times in coaching. This is times in counseling. This is times of quiet and solitude and retreat. Phase four is realignment. This is setting yourself up for what's next in manageable entry and re And lastly is re-entry and re-engagement. I love the fact that the authors of this work use the word reentry. I'm kind of a science nerd. I love space stuff. How many of you know anything about a spaceship or a space capsule coming back into the atmosphere? i am seeing one nod, one hand, two. Okay. Do you know what? It, yeah, it, 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 it's one of those things that works really, really well, or it's a disaster. Because if you come in too steep, you become a meteorite. And if you come in too shallow, you skip off and you become a comet that just goes off into space and maybe you'll come back somewhere along the line. But if you hit it right, you come home. That's what we need to talk about. Right now in this process, those four are done. We've got one left. And that's the reentry. And here I want to make a bold statement. Of all of this stuff in this process, this is the one, this reentry piece is the one that you as a church have the greatest control over. You have the ability to take his sabbatical and make it a shining success or a flaming failure. I cannot say that strongly enough. I coached a sabbatical, a pastor on sabbatical once, and as we were talking towards the end, he told me that he was coming back on Tuesday, and I think it was Tuesday night or Wednesday was the annual business meeting. That's not a good thing to do to your pastor. Because <laughs> there was so much going on and he was going to get right in the middle of it again. And there was no time to get come back up to speed. So this is where we are. The authors of Resilient Ministry both took sabbaticals during the work. This is one of the things they put in the book. Both of us approached the end of our sabbaticals with the expectation that we would not get sucked back into the hectic pace that characterized our lifestyles before the sabbaticals. But within a matter of weeks, both of us had slipped back into those patterns we sought to avoid. We now know the power of systems to squeeze us into the molds of expectation. There is a system here at this church and a whole set of expectations around your pastor. And your tendency, unconsciously, is to want to put him back into that same box, the healthiest place for him to be. So, you're going to enter into a season of exploring what that box could look like so that he stays healthier and then he stays longer in a healthy place. That is important. Because one of the things you realize, have to realize is that it's all about paths. You're going to be doing some trauma training here, which I think is excellent. And my wife and I are looking at our calendar going, How can we get there? Because that would be really good. But a lot of that trauma training is stepping into somebody else's path. Where have they been? So that you can understand them better. So, as we're looking at your pastor returning, I think that path analogy works really well. So, let me see if I can illustrate this. This is your path for the last three months. Church has been on Sunday. Stuff's been going on. The rails are there. You've been functioning really well. Now, if you look close, there's a couple of new boards in that path. A couple things changed. Some of you had to pick up some pieces that Scott would normally have done. That's okay. That's great. That's growth. That's expanding your abilities. That's fantastic. But for the most part your path has been pretty much the same. Scott's path? It's been a little different. There's a lot of ups and downs. The railings don't look quite as sturdy. The steps are uneven. It's all uphill. And I think this will work. If you look up here, it actually goes up and over the top, indicating that his journey's not done yet. Your path is coming to an end because he's coming back. His path may continue for some time yet as he continues to process and adjust and try to do the things that he has learned he needs to do to stay healthy. Now, the challenge for you as the church is this whoops, different paths. Make different people. Think of it this way. Prior to the sabbatical, you were running on the same set of tracks. When the sabbatical started, he took off on a branch. He's on a different set of tracks for a while. You've been going along. He's had some new experiences. Both of you have changed. Maybe subtly, maybe in not-so-subtle ways. So when you come back, you have to do a little exploration and figure out who you both are again and how you're going to work together again. That's a good thing. We call that DTR, define the relationship. And that's an important piece. Different people bring to the table different expectations and that requires you to define the relationship. Now, what do we mean by expectations? This is a piece that you as parents? Any parents in the house? I see some smiles, I see some hands, yes. I see somebody pointing at the people sitting next to him. Yeah. Are you any are any of you leaders? Home, work, whatever? This is something you can take with you in your family, in your marriage, in your business, whatever. I will confess, I stole this from a guy by the name of Pete Scazzaro in a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It is fantastic. If you haven't read it, go get a copy of it. It's great. We all bump up against expectations, and we need to decide whether or not that expectation is realistic. Is it a valid expectation? So we're going to run through this real quick. This is important. Number one, is it conscious? Are you aware of it? Now, every one of you, when you came in here today, had an unconscious expectation of what this was going to look like. I can, I can test that real quick. Imagine you walk in here on a Sunday morning, you come in the door, you stop and you grab a cup of coffee, you shake a few hands, you walk in here and you look up here and all of this is gone. And instead, there are three guys standing up here. One has a tuba, one has an accordion, and one has a set of bagpipes. And pastor announces that these three fine gentlemen are going to lead worship today. (laughs) Where is your heart at this particular moment? Where is your head? Your head is going, somebody's messing with my worship. Oh my, what have they done? Funny side story. Delivered this message in a church in the cities, used that illustration, got to the bagpipe part, and a guy in the front row went, Yes! (laughs) Turned out he's Scottish. (laughs) He's a man who regularly comes to church in a kilt. He's a brave one, he is. Are you aware of it? A good clue for this in general in your life is that if you're experiencing something you walk into a situation that normally feels a certain way and it all of a sudden doesn't feel that way something's welling up inside you there's a little angst a little tension chances are you've bumped up against an unconscious expectation in your life number two is it realistic is it a valid expectation can it be done first off that's the big check can it be done by anybody focusing down a little bit, can it be done by the person you're about to assign it to? I remember when our kids were little. I told our little guy, go upstairs and clean your room. Okay. And he runs upstairs. And in a very short period of time, we hear two sounds. One of those is the sound of Legos being stirred around in a very large plastic bin. And the other one is the sound of singing. And we realized very quickly that this young guy didn't have a clue what cleaning his room meant. And we as parents, we were homeschooling them and we we saw that as a teachable moment and we stepped towards it. Not realizing we had actually placed an unrealistic expectation on him. He didn't know what that meant. Is it conscious? Is it realistic? Has it been communicated? Has it been communicated in a way that is clear and understandable? And this is important. Has it been heard? Really heard? I'm going to step on toes right now. If any of you are parents of teenagers, you may have had a conversation with your teenager and gotten something like yeah whatever (laughs) been there done that you have communicated they have not heard you need to pause at that point and say talk to me what did you just hear what are we talking about here I shouldn't say that's not always just teenagers. Um, I I worked with adults who do that very same thing. And if that's how you're interacting with people over the screen you might want to think about putting that down for a while. I was talking to Scott last night and said there's a wonderful little book. It's bright yellow. It's about that big. It's a secular book. It's, in, it's entitled How to Break Up With Your Phone. 30 days to break your phone addiction. I loved it. I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. Has it been communicated? Has it understood? So we've got conscious, realistic, communicated. Lastly, is it agreed to? Has the person agreed to do those things, whatever you're talking about? If they haven't, you can't hold them to it because they haven't agreed to it. Now, this is the test. You didn't know that was going to be a test, did you? Don't sweat it. It's easy. Take out that little card. And let's run it through this grid and see how, how those things shake out because what you wrote on this card is actually expectations for your pastor when he returns. All right. So, first one, is it conscious? Well, duh, you wrote it down. It's real, you're aware of it. That's good. Check that one. Is it realistic? I can't judge that because I don't know what you wrote. You might have written something that is fully in line with his ministry calling here and all the rest of that. So, I'll put a plus or minus by that one. Has it been communicated to him? unless you have taken a picture of this and texted it to him, uh, he has no clue what you wrote on that card. And because it hasn't been communicated, it hasn't been agreed to. So I'm going to encourage you to take those expectations that you wrote on that little white card and hold to those very, very loosely. one of the times that I taught this message, when I got to this point I watched a gal right about there tear up her card into itty bitty little pieces because she realized that all of the expectations she had on her pastor's return were not valid that was a good thing that was a very good thing. One of the things that's really important, and we talked about it a little bit before, when we talked about re-entry, is the pace of the return. And this is a bunch of stuff that I've gleaned from talking to pastors, coaching pastors, books and stuff that I've read. Here's a few things. Oops. This is from um, Five Guidelines for a Successful Sabbatical. One wise seminary professor once remarked, it is not possible to board a moving train or the perpendicular leap. Therefore, the pastor has to run alongside for a while to catch up with the church's momentum. That's why we have on-ramps on the freeway, because you've got to come up to speed. And he needs some time to do that in the next couple of weeks. That's one of the reasons he's coming back Tuesday, but he's not preaching next week. Cuz he just needs time to figure out where you are, where he is, how to how to dance together again. Things to think about. Number 1 start light. First week or two just getting up to speed. I say no truck dumping. That's where you back up the the big truck of ministry responsibilities to his desk, pull the lever, it dumps on it, and you go, welcome back. And then you walk away and leave him with the pile. Don't do that to him. No preaching for two weeks. That's my suggestion. Help him to establish new routines and rhythms. That's important. Expect what one author referred to as a volatile range of emotions. He's processing through some things. And as we do that as human beings, sometimes those emotions leak out. Extend grace. Imagine him walking around the church for the next couple of weeks wearing a T-shirt that says, fragile human being. Which wouldn't be a bad thing for us to remember for everybody, actually. Remember that the deepest sabbatical lessons may not be immediately evident. They're processing. He's working through some things. And then reinforce to him verbally how important this time has been. Because he may have doubts. That's normal. I've seen that in a lot of pastors. A couple of thoughts from pastors that I've coached. Don't expect the big change. The sabbatical may have just been for rest, or it was the start of a process. They may have changed, or maybe they just returned to true north. I coached a pastor once who, while he was on sabbatical, discovered that he had wandered away from the ministry description that he had been called to fulfill, moved back. And when he came back, he moved back to that grounding, that true north for him of what he needed to be doing at that church, what he was called there to do. Remember that normal may have changed, may have been redefined a little bit. That's okay. There may be new boundaries. Boundaries are the emotional fences we put around things we value. Okay, There may be some new boundaries in place. There are going to be expectations, both yours and his. He's coming through the door with some expectations and you're going to have to navigate that together. There are going to be some new routines and those routines will center around those unforced rhythms of grace. Some of those self-care things that he needs to do. And there might be a course correction. I don't know. I don't really know. In my conversation with him last night, I I doubt that it's going to be anything huge. But just be open to that. Because that could be a good thing too. Do not ask, what did you accomplish on your sabbatical? (laughs) Because the instant you do... He goes, if he's a guy, and I know he is, he goes into checklist mode. And if he didn't check all the boxes, where does his brain go? It goes to failure. In conversation with him, I he, he started off, I think he said, with a, with a stack of 28 books. Something like that. And Through the course of the sabbatical, he kind of whittled it down to seven or eight. Yes, (laughs) I coached a a pastor once who was, um, how do I phrase this delicately? He was a little ADD, ADHD, and he had a a spreadsheet, color coded with all of the different books he was going to read. I have to read this book from here to here, and then I pick up this book and go from here to here, and it was a calendar for three months of all the books he was going to read. He didn't get through half of them. And that's okay. But don't, don't push him into that place. Do say, welcome back. And we are so glad that you had that time away with the Lord. I think it is fantastic that you are tying that return to donuts. (laughs) I'm a retired cop. I like donuts. (laughs) Just saying. I say here, don't don't ask questions that no report is needed. Let him drive that. If he wants to share experiences... Share what the Lord's been doing in him. Let him let him drive that thing. Some gifts you can give him. You can give him time. Time for reflection, time for contemplation, time for readjustment, that grace. Give him grace. Let him be real about what he's feeling. He's processing through things. There's gonna be some change. Whenever there's change, there's struggle and there's grief because he has to lay things down and pick up different things. That's hard sometimes. And with relationships, let him drive that calendar. Go ahead and invite him. Go ahead and ask him. Do you want to have coffee? Do you want to do lunch? Something like that. That's great. That shows you care. But let him do that. Let him put the boundaries around that for a while. Personal questions my my wife will tell you that I'm landing the plane <laughs> uh, she said that's something I don't do very well sometimes um, how can I let the pastor direct the pace and rhythm of his return how do I let him do that some of that might be getting me out of the way just letting him do what he needs to do what expectations do I have about his return and this is interesting This is something to think about. Where do they come from? In me. In you. Does it come from your past church experiences? Does it come from... Think about that. And that can help you determine whether or not it's valid as well. And then do they pass the test? And lastly, now I'm going to get personal again. How can you personally step into that Matthew 11 rest? As a believer in Christ, that is where we are supposed to live. I love Pastor Jose this morning. He he used a line I've never heard. But it's true. We are living outside of Eden. And that's a struggle sometimes. But that Matthew 11 passage, Jesus is inviting us to step into it. Eden again with him. How do we do that? I want to encourage you to do that. Again, I want to thank you for taking good care of your pastor. I'm going to close this in prayer. If I could have the worship team come up then. To bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this church that have raised pastoral care to a high level in their hearts and their heads. I thank you for the leadership, the elders here who have committed to making sabbatical a peace to the pastor. Father, by your spirit, walk with this church now as they begin to welcome their pastor and his family back. May it be sweet. May it be joyous. May it be a wonderful homecoming. In Jesus' name, amen.